Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Pat, whatever shall we talk about on this Monday edition of Critical Thinking? It's not like we have a quote-unquote impending indictment of a former president of the United States of America to talk about or anything. It's not like, you know, brackets all over the entire United States just went poof, up in smoke mm, Friday and then Saturday and then further on Sunday. And uh, it's not like we have, I don't know, COVID fascism still rearing its ugly head here in America, which we get to talk about in, I don't know, this thing called the rise of the Fourth Reich, uh, confronting COVID fascism so that what happened here never happens again by Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz to talk about in the book club on Monday, right? We, we don't have anything like that to talk about at all, right? No, no, we're, we're talking about all of that. Oh. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about all of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so what you're saying is I'm Andrew Coppins, you're Pat Oni, and it's time for critical thinking. That's right, yeah. Serious question for you, Pat, as I uh, sip my wonderful, wonderful coffee brand, coffee.com coffee. Mm -hmm. Say that three times fast. Yeah. Very serious question for you, Pat. Sure. Are the Wisconsin Badgers the best team left? The, the Well, they're one of the only teams left, but the best team playing in the postseason from the Big Ten? I don't know if that's true because Michigan State's still in the actual tournament. Wait a second. There were eight teams in the tournament. What are you talking about from the Big Ten? Is it Michigan State the only one that's left? So what you're saying is the Big Ten does what they always do they, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah they, they lay that. <laughs> they choke. Thanks for nothing, Purdue. Yeah. More like, per-don't. That's what we call it. We I've called that per-don't since the 1990s. Like, that, that is a thing that my family has called them for the longest time, and I should have known better. Thank you for... Uh... Literally screwing with my one of my year predictions and crushing my hopes and dreams of a Big Ten team actually winning an NCAA tournament. Well, that's not totally crushed here, Pat. You, you, you could have Michigan State make a run here. 
come on, bro. It ain't happening. It ain't, it, th- there's no way. I mean, yeah, they beat Marquette yesterday, but that, no, that not not doing it. That had a lot more to do with Marquette than Michigan State, in my view. I, I'm aware, and it, it, it's no, they're they're not. I don't think they make it out of the Sweet 16. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Now Wisconsin won back-to-back games. Now, granted, at home in the NIT um, to to take on Oregon in the quarterfinals. Uh, these are the only two Big Ten teams left in postseason play, by the way. The only two. Who had that happening? Not me. Not I. I mean, I did not. I did not. To be fair, I did not have the Big Ten doing well, except for Purdue. Um. Yeah, that didn't happen. It, yeah. Yeah, I had Indiana making a run to the uh, Sweet 16, but that was about as far as that went. And uh, yeah, it sounds about right for me. And then I had Purdue winning the national championship. So um, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I. But those were thought- the only two teams that I had going beyond, uh, or going to or beyond the Sweet 16. So it's not like I was that far off. I we were only the wrong team and and <laughs> the wrong bracket off, but. Uh, I mean, hey, if, if as a fan getting to watch though. Creighton and Princeton take on mm-hmm. each other in the Sweet 16 to be able to see um, Xavier potentially make a run here, you've got um, a lot of chalk. You've got FAU. Um, I'm going to like this Kansas State Michigan State matchup. I'm going to be intrigued by that matchup. Gonzaga mm-hmm. UCLA. That's going to be fun uh, for dominance out west. And and uh, then you got Arkansas UConn. Like I'm looking at what is left of the Sweet 16 here, right, Pat? You've got Xavier, Texas, Houston, Miami, Alabama, San Diego State, Creighton, Princeton, FAU, Tennessee, Kansas State, and Michigan State. Most of this is pretty classic NCAA tournament. Like if if you rewound, rewinded, or rewound to the 1990s. Mm-hmm you'd see most of these teams. Yeah. Um, With the exception of, I think, you know, your Creighton and your Gonzaga, because they didn't really become a thing until the late well, 90s, early 2000s, but... You wouldn't see FAU either. Right. And you might not yeah. see Tennessee because they weren't that great, but you would see the, you know, the Houstons. You'd see a Miami in the late 90s. Uh, they were coming up. You'd see Xavier. You would see Texas. You would see some of these names. Arkansas and UConn, UCLA, Michigan State, Kansas State, for sure. So there's a lot of tradition left in this tournament. Al- Alabama is the number one seed. I mean, I know Kansas lost. Is there another number one seed that's still in besides Houston? Houston? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're the team that I picked in my second uh, bracket because I always do two. Um, one... One's a snap judgment bracket, and the other's think th- think it out. And the think it out bracket is getting its ass kicked this year. <laughs> yeah. See, I always, I mean, I, I'm really methodical with my picks, but um, it has not worked out for me the last couple of years. All right. Well, um, that notwithstanding, I'm sure we're in the same boat as literally probably Everybody? tens of millions of Americans at this point. Um, if not a hundred million Americans who have filled out a bracket and saw it go bye bye over the weekend, um, yeah. that notwithstanding, 
as we look at the Sweet 16 and as we stand here today, Pat, and and look at what is left, who you got, who you got winning it all. Winning it all? Yep. Uh, probably, I, I'd probably pick UCLA at this point. Hmm. They're an intriguing team because they can shoot the ball from deep. Um, they're good at the free throw line. They run and gun. They play good defense. I could see that. I still think uh, the Zags are really difficult out for them. Um, I'm circling that matchup as an important one. I still think that the fact that Houston got out of the first weekend uh, pretends well for them because they are a very solid defensive team. Yeah, they are. They're, they're very and good. They're going to have another week to get a couple of their star players that were injured healthier. Um, and so that's going to be vitally important here. Um, I'm looking at Houston. I, I'm looking at Creighton as a team that might do some damage here if they can if they can beat yeah. Princeton. They, um, they could. That's a team that I would really be intrigued by. Um, but hey, Princeton can make a run too. With I mean, with that sure. Cinderella story right now, I mean, sure. that, that, they've got that going for them. And the other team that I think people are really sleeping on is Tennessee. Um, the way that they've played, I have I had Tennessee going far. Um, I think I had them in the Elite Eight. Yeah. Um, what they did to Duke yesterday in that 13-point win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what happens um, going forward here. But, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my Cougars of Houston. I think that's, that's the dangerous team there um, and the team that might be able to get the, the components as healthy as possible to really do some damage. And I like their next matchup. A mm. lot against Miami, and then that Xavier Texas matchup will be good too. It'd be kind of cool to see a non-power. I mean, it's it's happened before in the NCAA tournament, but it'd be, it's it's always cool to see a non-power five conference actually win it. Absolutely, uh, which, absolutely. Which I mean, they'll they'll be in a power five next year, but uh, yeah, it'll be good. Yep, a hundred percent because they're moving to the Big Twelve next year, and uh, Lord Almighty, is that a loaded conference? Except for my chokers of Iowa State, who choked in both the men's and women's. Yeah, it's not big 12 is going to be an up and coming conference, I think. No, I mean, they're there already. But yeah, Um, I think I think people will put a little more respect on what they that brand of basketball and Mm -hmm. what the depth of that league is uh, going forward. I think you'll see that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So all of the talk of the wonderful NCAA tournament out of the way. Um, there's no story bigger than what took place as we woke up on really Saturday where Donald Trump decided to, I don't know, truth or whatever the their version of tweeting is over at Truth Social, um, telling the world that he believes he's about to be indicted and perp walked um, in a quote unquote politically motivated uh, prosecution. Related to paying off two women in which he allegedly <clears throat> had affairs with in the uh, in the early 2000s. Let's just put it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of angst and haranguing and Mike Pence comes out and talks about this being kind of the beginning of the banana republic, if you will, although we have argued for a long time, we're already there. Uh, we are already into oligarchy territory. 
mm-hmm. um, as a country, whether you want to admit it or not there, Mike Pence. How do you get yourself out of an oligarchy if you're going if you're part of the oligarchy is my question to you. But that notwithstanding, um, the details of this are basically the George Soros funded Manhattan DA, right? Uh, the DA of of Manhattan has decided allegedly and in the tea leaves from all of the things that we can actually read, right? His actual emails and the actual words being spoken by him to people inside that DA's office appears that they're ready to to charge Donald Trump with um what would usually be misdemeanors, okay? Has somehow elevated them to felonies, which would make him ineligible to run for president of the United States of America, by the way. Um, because one, he would be an indicted individual. And number two, those felonies would preclude him from office, I believe. Um, problem, Pat, here is um, this is something that happens all the time everywhere. And... I struggled with the outrage machine this weekend, but I also struggle with selective prosecution. It is not as if we don't see selective prosecution all the time, by the way. It's called prosecutorial discretion in another term. But not at this level. What were what was your initial thought when you first read the story, first sussed out what the hell was actually going on here? Because I, we have never seen this in our entire entire nation's history. This has never happened before. Ever. I think as I as I look through this, I think my initial reaction, I'm like, this is what you're gonna arrest him for. I mean, considering as you as you just mentioned, this happens all the time. And at best, this is probably misdemeanor level type stuff. At best. Cause if we're going down this route, how many times has Bill Clinton done this? How many times has Hillary right. Clinton paid somebody off? How many times has Barack right. Obama, Joe Biden, right? Are are you right. suggesting that uh, we, we might as well be able to, we might as well arrest the previous what three presidents of the United States at this point I mean if, if this is the road you're gonna go down that being said I, I mean I'm surprised that this is what they're 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 potentially going to arrest him for and if they do it if they try to indict him and if they're trying to stop him from running for president if that's the end game here which it is frankly. I, it doesn't matter if he gets jail time or not, or not right away. It's a matter of can we stop him from running for president? That's exactly mm-hmm. what this is about. It's pretty vile. It's disgusting. It's not even justice. It's all politics at this point. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do this, and it looks like they are, 
if I'm on if if I'm on the left, you damn sight better make this count. <clears throat> because if this doesn't sit, you've just given the other side ammo. And as I sat and thought about that very point, Pat, is <clears throat> you better have the goods, right? Mm -hmm. You you better have them. Why? Because we are seeing the reaction from MAGA forever. And what is that reaction? Oh, our dear leader can do no wrong. He's a saint. He's a god. And we just talked about this last week, right? Right. Where I played... The, a clip of Donald Trump at CPAC delivering his speech and talking about being the redemption and the redeemer and like all of these godlike <clears throat> the retribution yeah yeah the retribution and and this and that i am your hope i am this i no no you're not you are not my hope you are not none of these things so <clears throat> What did Donald Trump call for? Protest, 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 protest. Mm -hmm. Before we get into that, I wanted to kind of give our audience one of the best breakdowns of this and one of the most cogent thought processes I have seen. Because I really struggled because there's a lot of yeah, but, right, in, in this story and in this thought process. So... Um, A.G. Hamilton 29 on Twitter, um, one of the best thinkers out there on politics, had, had a very, very important um, thread. And I thought it was it would be apropos for us to read this and then talk about some of the other uh, parts to the puzzle, if you will. So he begins by saying, so let's talk about what the Trump case is actually about. In the final days of the 2016 campaign, there were two women that claimed to have had affairs with Trump. Trump's fixer slash lawyer, Michael Cohen, arranged to pay both women $280,000, $130,000 to Stormy and $150,000 to McDougal via the National Enquirer to try to keep them from publicly talking about it. So <clears throat> that is at the crux and the heart of what is being alleged here is that this was a political campaign contribution in kind that these things were done <clears throat> in a nefarious way with the forethought and knowledge of Donald Trump. That's what's being alleged. But AG continues saying this Cohen has a recording where he talks to Trump about these payoffs. The real problem comes in the next part. Trump didn't just give Cohen this money. Instead, the Trump corporation gave it plus a bonus to him, and listed them as legal fees for tax purposes. Cohen was convicted for essentially um, convicted providing illegal assistance to the Trump campaign. In addition, this entire thing exposed that the Trump Corp has been running a shady tax scheme where executives would have the corporation pay for stuff and not report it as income. All right, so there we are. We have the, the the tax issues. We've got a lot of things that are legally ambiguous at 
giving Trump the all the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Right. Right. But he continues. Noting Trump's CFO, A. Weisselberger, or Weisselberg, excuse me, is serving five months in prison for the scheme. Reason Trump hasn't been charged is he claims he knew nothing about it. So for Trump to be innocent, you have to believe he's an incompetent executive that had no idea what was happening at this company. Given how Trump led as president, it is somewhat believable that he had no idea what any of his team was doing or how they were managing payoffs for his affairs, etc. But that's essentially what they are trying to get him on. So this is the crux of the matter, right? Trump, did he or did he not know about these things? And more importantly, did he or did he not direct these things through the corporation? Right. If somebody else did it, somebody else is at fault in a legal way. And that's what you have to prove without a shadow of a doubt. Exactly. So we're going to continue the story, though. <clears throat> Would me or you currently be facing charges in similar circumstances? Yes, very likely. But the reality is there are different rules for someone like Trump and HRC, etc., Especially because he is running, the bar has to be very high to prosecute a former POTUS and presidential candidate. Continuing, the crime being alleged here, which is essentially the falsification of corporate documents to cover for the bribe to his ex-flings, is not a very serious one, and his level of knowledge slash intent is hard to prove. That's why pursuing it, in my opinion, seems like a mistake. And again, this is the whole crux of the matter on the not just the legal side of things. Now we're also talking about the reality of things, because every person, as we know, Pat, the, the famous thing is every person breaks at least 10 laws a day. We could we could get anybody on almost anything every single day of the week. This is the reality. And. <clears throat> We, we have talked about this already, right? The Hillary Rodden Clintons, the, the Bill Clinton, mm -hmm. right? These payoffs, these things that have taken place in the past. They are not prosecuted. Why is the <clears throat> George Soros funded Manhattan DA doing this? It's politics. And now that we are talking about somebody that is at this stature, Right at this level, not necessarily the rules, but the goods that you better be able to produce are on a far different playing field. But let's continue. Because um, he continues to say the uh, the real consequences to prosecuting a political candidate like Trump in those, sh excuse me, there are real consequences to prosecuting a political candidate like Trump, and those should be should absolutely be considered in prosecution decisions. But Alvin Bragg, again, that's the Manhattan DA, wants his five minutes of fame and isn't swayed by prudence. But let's also be clear that Trump's problems and the surrounding drama are self-created. 
and that the complaint isn't that he is treated different from me or you, but that he might not get the special privilege of someone in a position of huge political power. And then finally, we have this. Lastly, it is not the responsibility of those of the people he attacks slash smears daily to go to bat for him. Everyone should oppose selective prosecutions, but prudent people also wait for the facts. What if grand jury doesn't indict and doesn't rush to step on rakes to cover for Trump? And, thus, I, I, and here comes Pat. Mm. Here comes the reality of the political atmosphere because Trump has turned the dial up to 11 on what could be a four or a five. Now, what comes out on Sunday is that there is still one more, one more alleged person to speak to the grand jury on this issue. And it's somebody who has allegedly exculpatory evidence that might work highly in the favor of Donald Trump. We don't know what the grand jury is going to necessarily do here. We know that the, the Manhattan DA is hoping for an indictment, right? Right. Okay. So I want to think through the question of what do we do here? Are, are, are we as, or I shouldn't say we, because neither of us are in the MAGA forever crowd, but <clears throat> is it the responsibility of the MAGA forever crowd to be the muscle? Is it the responsibility of the Ron DeSantis, the Vivek Ramaswamis, the Mike Pence's, the Nikki Haley's, Christy Gnome's, uh, down, down the... Down the pipeline, if you will. <clears throat> Is it their responsibility to coalesce around Donald Trump? No. No. And ultimately what I come what what I came to is very similar in terms of I want to know what the facts are here. Because here's the reality if Donald Trump broke the law. Okay. Does he or does he not deserve to be prosecuted for that? Yes, he does. Here's the problem, though. What we are witnessing is the attempt, <clears throat> excuse me, the attempt to over-criminalize these potential charges, right? We, we're looking at what should be misdemeanors and Alvin Bragg already telling us already signaling he's going to charge them as felonies because of intent, right? Nobody else would have that happen to them. Nobody. We also have this in the backdrop of the over-prosecution of January 6th rioters versus the BLM, the summer of violence of 2020. Like real violence, like real people being actually killed in the name of Antifa and BLM mm -hmm. throughout the summer of 2020. And we talked about this last week where we've got January Sixers who are serving, you know, five years in prison versus somebody who served like 200 days. 
for the same thing. And oh, by the way, actually creating physical harm and violence on a federal officer, throwing bricks, punches. They get off with, quote unquote, time served, right? Mm -hmm. And no probation, no nothing. <clears throat> so what I struggle with is, is are we watching a two-tier justice system play itself out as it necessarily will in a banana republic? I believe so. Certainly looks that way. And what I struggle with is, okay, so there's the reality. What do we do about it? What does a protest do, Pat, in this situation? What good is this going to do? I mean, some might argue it might raise awareness and all that stuff, but no, it's not going to do do anything. It does nothing. It, honestly, I, I would if I'm Donald Trump, I tell people to go home because it, it's not helping your case at this point. It just isn't. So tell them to go home and you know pay attention to what actually is happening. I, I don't think a protest is going to do you any good at this point. I don't. I really don't. No, that's that's definitely fair enough. Um, I, I mean, I, I just. If. Like I said at the beginning of this, if you're going to go down this road, you better you better. Bring it, you better. You better make this count because if you don't, if you don't, there will be retribution for this. Whether and and it just it will destroy any thought of trying to indict Trump before the election. If anything, it's going to give Trump more power if this fails. You have to, if you are on the left today, you have to make this count. You cannot, you cannot half-ass this. You better have the evidence. Furthermore, you better start doing this across the board. Because this, you are setting a precedence by doing this. And this should apply to people like Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. You can't have this one way. They're going to try to have it one way, of course. But if by setting this precedence, you are playing a dangerous game by trying to keep Trump out of office. Either way, if this plays out the way that it should, they are in a world of hurt. Because some, some knucklehead up in New York decided to not be prudent and actually get the evidence that he needs. He wants his five minutes of fame. Yeah. And as we watch Donald Trump saying that we're a nation in steep decline and you have to protest, protest, protest. What happened the last time Donald Trump decided to go down this road? Uh, isn't that how January 6th happened? That's why I'm saying that that's not helping your case at all by, by doing that. So I'm going to be very blunt. Do not do that. Do not go there. Do not go anywhere near it. No. 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 
your Cheeto Jesus will not save. Lest I remind you, Pat, got a question actually for you, not a reminder. How many dollars has Donald Trump donated to the people who are being persecuted or prosecuted for the January 6th uh, insurrection? Uh, has he donated money? I don't think he has. No, he has not paid a single penny, has not donated a single dime to any of them, to any of their legal fees or anything. Save your protestations for, I don't know, things that actually are going to matter. Yet, here we have Donald Trump saying, save me, save me, save me. I'm your savior. Remember, I'm your hope. I'm your retribution. I'm your, now save me. Says the guy that put us through lockdown forever and the poisonous jab. Imagine, if you will, if people actually protested these things the way they are protesting for Donald Trump right now. Imagine, imagine if you will. I, 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 I think we would have a better ending to this story if, if people actually stood up for what is right and good rather than trying to save someone that they worship at the political altar of politicians. It, we, we wonder why we're in the position that we're in. We, we care more about our politicians at this point and who's in office than we care about doing what's actually right and good at the end of the day. It seems like in all of this, especially when it comes to something like a manga forever crowd. I mean, imagine, if you will, if they had protested against all of this COVID BS, Trump or no Trump, when, it, when, it, when, when we needed it the most. And oh, by the way, lest you forget about this, it's not just the Manhattan DA. We still have the federal prosecutor, right? We still have the federal uh, person looking into the special prosecutor looking into charges for January 6th for Donald Trump. You, I don't see how you can bring charges for that at this point. Not after the whole Tucker not? Carlson thing. Why not? Pat, you are living in reality. Uh, we don't live me, in reality. reality. We live in a banana republic. We live in an oligarchy. Okay? We don't live in where things are, where facts and, I don't know, prudence and discretion make some sense. Right? We don't live in that world anymore. We don't. We, we are watching all the three-letter agencies. We're watching the bureaucratic apparatus of every <clears throat> part of our government, whether that's the, the alphabet soup, the military, whether that's the bureaucracy of the executive branch, <clears throat> treasury, the Fed, they're all populated 
by the same groups of people. And what are they doing? They're using all of their political will, all of their political might, all of their political power to turn the screws on their political opposition. We are literally watching the beginnings of that despotic era. <clears throat> it's funny because I'm I there's a podcast out there uh, from Noiser called Real Dictators. And it goes through piece by piece, uh, and usually in a four-part series, with the exception of Hitler, because they're up to like part 50 on Hitler, because that's how insane Hitler was. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> um, they go through point by point by point. Uh, this, is, this is the blueprint of forever for dictatorships. This is a blueprint forever for banana republics then to be replaced by what? Despotism. To be replaced by not the Constitution, not return, not redemption, right? Nope. I, I, I just... You cannot fall for the banana peel in the tailpipe, folks. And that is that protest. Do not protest. Do not care about Trump more than you care about your own family because he don't give two shits about you. He really doesn't. If he did, he'd be paying something or advocating for defense funds for the January 6th, quote-unquote, insurrectionists. I will tell you this. If you are going to protest, you are falling for the banana peel in the tailpipe or the banana peel on the track of Mario Kart. You are. Because it's exactly what the left wants. Because what will happen... If you decide to go and protest and protest and protest and protest, and suddenly something turns violent, it will be the impetus from the left to say bye-bye to your First Amendment rights. More importantly, your Second Amendment right, because you can't carry it. We can't trust these people to carry guns because they're violent, and they're doing political violence, right? It's a power play. As um, Chris Jolliffe pointed out on Twitter, I honestly think the left is trying to provoke a real, not staged, January 6th as an impetus to steal another election and castigate conservatives. It's a power play that will rise or fall according to our response. Now, I am not of the quote-unquote conservative variety. I am much more of the libertarian variety with largely a conservative bent on the personal freedom side of things, on the social side of things. But he is dead on. Do not fall for the trap. Do not fall for it. Don't. We can't. 
you do, and this republic dies. And it's going to die in complete and total darkness. They're going to stoke one side, right? The spirit of the age, what is it doing? The radicalization of the left, right? The absolute back crap crazy stuff that we see on a daily basis from them. Like, you can't possibly parody this stuff because it's reality for them. Meanwhile, the desperation of the MAGA Forever crowd, as we watch, oh, Ron DeSantis didn't speak out in, in, in favor of Trump fast enough or this or that or whatever, right? The absolute desperation to cling to Donald Trump. When you put one side that is radical and another side that's desperate together, what, what do you have other than destruction of a society? Chaos. Yes. Chaos breeds destruction. It's mm. exactly what the spirit of the age wants. So don't play into it. Hear me. Do not protest. Do not protest. Do not protest. Do not take to the streets for a man who gives two shits about you. He couldn't care less about you. He cares about power. He cares about wealth. He cares about his name being emboldened on whatever. He doesn't care whom he steps on whom he uses, he is using you, not as a vessel for you, by the way, using himself as a vessel to help you. He ain't doing none of that. Because if he did, and if he were, we'd have an apology. We would have mea copas. We would have him talking about how he has learned from what took place three years ago right now, and will never repeat it again. Instead, he is still out there, jab, 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 jab. These things are the greatest things since sliced bread, except for they're, I don't know, not. As we're about to talk about in, in, in the book club. But I want what? you to understand what is at stake here. You take to the streets, and you lose. Period, point blank. It is over. The smart strategy here is let them all eat cake. Pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to your family. Pay attention to the things that you need to do to insulate yourself from what is likely coming, whether you or, or Ron DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy or Joe Biden or Kamala Harris gets elected again. Focus less on Washington. Focus on yourself. Focus on your family. Focus on your community. Build from there. Because it, we, we have to rebuild. We have talked about this time and time again. Reviving liberty can only work when you start with yourself, your family, and your community. Not Cheeto Jesus or Marionette Joseph Biden. 
or any politician. They don't care about you, yet they expect you to save their asses. Now, on the flip side of this, Pat, what are we waiting for from the Republican side? Where are the articles of impeachment for the president of the United States? They claim they have the bank statements, right? That's all you need. Yeah. Okay. This is literally all you need to start that, to begin the process of what? The hearings, the investigation. What are we waiting I've... for? You you want to talk about how do you flip the script? How do you take that power? How, how do you, do you play, play this game? Mm-hmm. I've said this before, I've said it many times, and I will continue to say it. Don't trust the GOP to get anything like this done. And here's why you do this right now. Hey, Manhattan DA, come here. You want to play this game? Watch. You want to, you want to, you want to, you know, destroy the Tower of Babel, right? It's teetering. And I'll tell you what, we'll pull the thing. We'll pull the plug. You want to play this? We can play this game too. And both sides lose, right? And what do we know about the GOP and what do we know about the Democratic Party? They love themselves power more than anything. You think for one second that they're going to they're going to mutually self-destruct? Mutually assured destruction. We talked about that all the time. Mm-hmm. In, in during the Cold War, This is mutually assured destruction, folks. Okay, so Manhattan DA, shut the hell up, and we won't do that. That's how this usually would be played, and that's how I would suggest they avoid all the rest of what would, you know, unwind. But that would be the smart play. The real play, the play if you're playing not for mutually assured destruction not to happen, but to destroy the spirit of the age would be to take down its Tower of Babel, which is the imperialistic type of a presidency. How do you how do you destroy the power of the presidency better than here's the corruption, right? And we're taking it on, come what may. We're going to actually do something with our power. (sighs) But I digress enough, Pat. Um, I think it's time for us to play a little bit of the be or not to be and have a little bit of sanity. What say you? Uh, I was going to say, what's sanity anymore? Lay that headline on me, please. All righty then. Today's headline. Conservatives can't define woke, shouts leftists who can't define man or woman. Conservatives can't define woke, shouts leftists who can't define man or woman. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. While you're thinking about that, Andrew Coppins, folks, it's Monday morning. I know I'm not a morning person. I know I'm not, especially not a Monday morning person after a weekend. Uh, I feel like Mondays are always like the... um, stereotypical worst day of the week. Everyone's a little sluggish and everything. You need that pick-me-up by going to coffeebrandcoffee.com. They've got all sorts of different great coffee flavors over there. Um, I highly recommend trying something that you know that you're going to like and then trying something that, hey, I've always wanted to try this. 
and and see where things go. Um, if you're not a coffee drinker, you can do hot chocolate. Though we're getting into the time of year where hot chocolate's not really a a thing. Um, so there, there's that. And then then you also have tea as well, which I'm I'm not a tea drinker either. Um, but in any case, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. Use the promo code critical thinking at checkout and you'll get 5% off your purchase today. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com promo code critical thinking at checkout and get 5% off your purchase today. Okay. Conservatives can't define woke shouts leftist who can't define man or woman. Is this the B or not the B Andrew Coppins, your answer. Uh, this is going to be not the B because I think this is a, I think this has to do with Maj Toure um, deciding to tell America that there's no such thing as woke. Am I? Are right? you sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. That's my guess. Yes. That's your final answer. Final answer, Pat. Yep. You just cost us fifty bucks. This is the Babylon Bee. Except for it really happened. I don't know what to tell you. This is the Babylon Bee, man. Um. Liberals unable to define the words man or woman have angrily demanded conservatives give singular definition to a to, of a term recently made by uh, liberals. You <clears throat> you just tell woke any, at anything. You just yell woke at anything you don't like. Screamed liberal activist Jan Barlow, bigot, Nazi. During a brief break, Miss Barlow screaming local conservative Roger Harnett attempted to help. I tried to explain that woke means the insane cultural rules being in, being forced on us by leftists and terms spe uh, specifics keep changing because leftists keep coming up with new and insane cultural rules, said Mr. Harnett. She responded by cursing me out and asking, asking her pronouns and then began f foaming at the mouth. I don't think I got through to her. Developmental experts have become puzzled at to precisely how children who can easily define man or woman somehow lose that cognitive ability upon becoming liberal. It's truly a remarkable phenomenon, said neuroscientist Dr. Reginald Steele. After thousands of, of years of, of humans being able to easily distinguish men and women, the highly specific neurological malady uh, has suddenly appeared. The disease totally spares children and only seems to affect humans and particular countries with particular political philosophies. Quite a head-scratcher. At publishing time, researchers had determined that 99.9% .9 of leftists can easily define man and woman. They're just scared to. Uh, Andrew Coppins, I, I have an, an, an honest question for you here. What is woke? <laughs> See, this is the thing, Pat. <clears throat> this is reality, too, because this is what Toure, not Maj, but Toure, the, the old uh, MSNBC host, the radical leftist uh, uh -huh. that was also part of, I believe, MTV at one point in time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Literally decided to tell us that woke is not a thing literally decided to try to tell us that except people use that term all the damn time it's not just that but 
woke says to be aware of racism, privilege, blind spots, homophobia, transphobia, be aware of the sociopolitical needs of people who aren't like you, to which the right says no. Yeah. But here's the thing. They really do keep moving the goalpost on what woke is. Or what being woke is, I should say. I know how it started. But how it started and how it's going are not the same. Mm-hmm. Not the same. Yeah, I mean, just just take a look at the, I believe it's March 15th and 16th on Toure's uh, um, timeline. This is literally something that happened on the 15th and 16th on, the, on this timeline. So, I mean, this is also, I would argue, true. All of that gets us to the book club. Pat, it is time. Are you ready? Because I I bring you Rise of the Fourth Reich, confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. So this never happens again. Steve Dace, Daniel Horowitz, the authors. We are on chapters five and six today. And these are the first chapters that go beyond laying out some of the theoretical case, if you will, and some of the militaristic case. and we begin to talk about actual care. We begin to talk about what was going down in the civilian world. Now, I'm just going to say this. None of this shocked me in the least. None of this angered me in the least in chapters five and six. And what we get are two stories from two different parts of the country, right? Well, it's right. actually... Two neighboring states, one one in Minnesota and yeah. one in, in Wisconsin. And in fact, right. uh, almost right in my old stomping grounds. Um, Freedom, Wisconsin is just a few. It's kind of right, nuzzled right in between Green Bay and Appleton, um, if you're looking at that area. Um, so chapters five and six deal with dereliction of duty, if you will, right? Uh, the... Violation of the Hippocratic Oath and all these sorts of things. Um, I was not shocked. I was not angered. I was not surprised. I was none of the things that I think a lot of people are going to be. And here's why. This is none. None of this is surprising if you've known anything about how little medicine is being practiced and how much insurance is being practiced when it comes to medicine, quote unquote, in the United States of America. This is how people are treated in the hospital system every single day, COVID or not COVID. That's the reality that we're dealing with. And maybe this is shocking to some in the outside world who haven't been involved in or seen or have people that are close to you who are intimately involved in these apparatuses. But hospital decisions are not made about the patient. They're made about their bottom line. Hospital decisions are made on what makes them money, what loses them money. How do I know this? This has been going on for 20 years, Pat. How do I know this? How many practices, how many family doctors, how many people accept Medicare patients? I have no idea. 
Hardly any of them. Why? Because Medicare is paying roughly 60 cents on the dollar right now. Now, yes, there's laws and things that you have to be careful of, right? But they're not accepting new Medicare patients. See, that's the rub, right? They're not accepting new Medicare patients because you're being forced to accept 60 cents on the dollar from these people, and it costs you a dollar to care for that patient. So you are losing 40 cents on every dollar. So let's say that that service costs you $6,000, right? Do you want to lose three grand or two grand on that service when you could service a real patient for that full six grand that insurance will pay it out for? No. So that that part for me, I just wasn't shocked. I wasn't angered. I was sad for the families that had this happen to them. But I also think that this can be an impetus for those who are not aware of how these (coughs) hospital systems work. We do not have, and I've said this for years, and those who know me have known me to say this for almost two decades now. We do not have a health care system. We have a health insurance system in this country. And this is something I believe firmly that the left and the right agree upon. What we don't agree upon is the solution to that problem. These stories are prime examples of what happens when you don't have a patient-focused healthcare system anymore. When you have a system that is focused on what? Money, malpractice lawsuits, and most importantly, fear of the government. Now, how many people, Pat, know the story of the amount of money that the government was incentivizing these these hospitals to to turn those beds over, right? Because every single time that a new person walks into the ICU with COVID – the cash machine goes off, right? You hit the jackpot. So unfortunately for a lot of people who are reading along with us, I don't share a lot of probably what happened to you if you were reading chapters five and six. I think the only thing that I will share for you is the empathy that exists for the families who endured what they endured and the potential death that could have been avoided. I say potential because we don't know what that outcome would have been, and we never will know that. What we do know is that these people were not interested in practicing medicine. Because if you are interested in practicing medicine, your first goal is to find treatments, come what may, that may or may not work. Okay, what is the harm in trying these things that have zero side effects, zero possibilities, right? What is the harm? There is none, except for 
It takes you outside of the protocols given to you by the CDC and the government, and if you do that, holy bleep. Look out bureaucracy of the hospital. So, Pat, your your thoughts here. So I have a very different take on than you on on these chapters. And I, I had prefaced this last week by saying I these chapters made me by far the angriest of all of them. Um now I, I will say this. I, I will fully admit admit to this. I think you were a little bit more privy to what's actually been going on in our healthcare system than I've been. And I think this was really my first real eye-opening experience in terms of how our healthcare system truly works. You're right. It's not about the medicine anymore. It's about the bottom line. And in the case of, I think, uh, uh, Ann Quiner um, and her husband, mm-hmm. um, you know, had they gotten him to, to Texas a day or two sooner, he probably would have made it. Maybe That's from what they we were saying, know. yeah, we don't we don't know that for certain, but there, there there's at least a, a, a possibility there. What what really bothered me was this definition of insanity that the that that especially in their story that the, the hospital seemed to continue to, to to push. They didn't want to try ivermectin and what the frontline doctors had been just. Dist- prescribing what's what had been working for a lot of people around the country at that point they wanted to continue to push things like the ventilator remdesivir things that that don't work that cause more harm than good um, they intubated him i mean they they did all this stuff that that seemingly made him worse and no one wanted to listen no one no one wanted to and, and granted his wife is not a doctor but no one wanted to try anything different when things weren't working. And it cost a man his life. It cost a woman her husband. It cost their, their children, their father. I mean, it, that is absolute asinine bullshit. No, I don't disagree with you. I, but, and maybe this is the harsh truth for me, is that none of this is surprising. And again, that that goes to the knowledge and 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 the understanding of medicine today has nothing to do with care. It has everything right, to do right. with with dollars and cents. It has everything to do with protocols. It has everything to do with everything that has anything to do but care. I'm going to pass you off to this specialist and this specialist or this specialist, or I'm going to pass right. you here. And and I've had this. On multiple fronts, right? I've I, I've seen it from the inside, having worked in some of the system, right? right? But I've also seen it as a patient. I've also seen it in my own journey to figuring out what in the hell is actually wrong, right? And we we have a system that is incentivized to treat symptoms, not causes. Why? Because if they treat the cause, my need for your services goes away. But 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 here's here's the thing, and and this is why I'm like if I'm if I'm Ann Quine or if I'm um, I can't I, for whatever reason I'm blanking on the other gentleman's name. Uh, Scott moment. Shara. Yeah, um, and his daughter had was it Down syndrome? Yeah, his daughter yeah. Uh, Jessica. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shara is um, was a or Grace, excuse, uh, Grace, not Jessica. Yeah, um, 
their 19 year old daughter. Right. So if, if I'm, if I'm them, because healthcare should be about patient care. It should be about getting people better. It should be about getting people healthy. That's what it should be. The fact that they screwed up royally and yet somehow they're protected because, you know, they, they did the best that they could and they did all of these things and they're doctors and therefore they are automatically experts and are not completely immune, but mostly immune from any kind of uh, retribution in this case. I, I'd be suing them for all they're worth. They should lose their medical licenses. They they should be out and in prison for what they did to these people. Absolutely, they should be. Now, I think the the thing that might, and unfortunately for me, this is also not shocking, but the thing that I think maybe ticked people off the most if you read Chapter 6 is that we watched how our medical system treats people who have disabilities. Mm-hmm. It, this is not surprising. shocking or surprising to me in the least, <clears throat> largely due to the fact that I understand this on a very personal and intimate level within my own family. Mm-hmm. I've seen it for decades. And the reality of this is that our system, because of the way our society treats and believes um, treats these people and believes these people to be less than worthy of our love and humanity that we don't value life period point blank in this society. We don't. Otherwise we wouldn't have an entire country that touts the fact that they have no down syndrome Hmm. like Iceland does, by the way. Right. Oh, that's right. You, because you kill them all before they're allowed to live. Right. That, that's how they've quote unquote eradicated Down syndrome. Now, I don't need to go down the route of their life having value and meaning and all that sort of stuff. That's n- every human life has value and meaning, and that's the reality of being Catholic. That's the reality of real Christian beliefs. Period. Point blank. But what we see here is that they treat these individuals as less than deserving of care, less than deserving of treatment that you and I would receive. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, if I remember correctly, they they had had – somehow they got a DNR on this girl, but yet it wasn't signed by the parents or anything. Correct. This is what they do all the time, Pat. This is why if you have somebody who has Down syndrome, if you have somebody who has mental retardation or some sort of a cognitive disability, it is vital that you pay attention early in their care. And what do I mean by that? You have to have your legal ducks in a row. You have to have all the proof and documentation in front of you. You have to know how to stand up for your medical rights and their medical rights, more importantly. And you have to know that they're going to try to screw around with it. And that's what happened in this case. They supplanted a DNR, like, what, 18 pages deep into her chart. They attempted to 
end round all of the legal rights that their parents had. It's disgusting. It's horrible. It's bad. I have very major empathy for what they went through, but sadly, this is the reality of dealing with this within the healthcare system. This is not new. This is not abnormal. This is the normal behavior of our hospital system. Okay? I want people to understand that. That, yes, you could be angered by this. You absolutely should be if you've never seen it, heard it, or experienced it in your own life. Absolutely. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that this is the reality that we are dealing with. And how do you change that? Remind you, let's go backwards to the last story, right? Talking about Donald Trump. He's the one who indemnified this entire system. Did he do anything to prosecute governors who literally put to death old people in nursing homes? Knowingly, obviously, to any sort of degree. No, 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 no. no. Did he bother to say, nope, um, science is telling us something very differently. Did he listen to Scott Atlas? No. No. He had a choice in front of him, right? He had two paths, diverged in a road. Did he take the one less traveled by? No, he took the normal route. I, I just, I want people, hopefully after you've read chapters five and six, to understand this is normal in the hospital system. But but more so, if, if, if you're reading chapters five and six, while this may be normal, this is also not right. Yes. And that's that's what... That's what we need to, as as now that we have become aware of these things, as you have become aware of this, you have to be the ones to stand up now to make this change, to hold these people accountable, to make sure right. that this never happens again. Because if this happened to this people, who's to say that you're not next? And this, folks, is why I fight so hard against socialized medicine. This is the output of socialized medicine. We already have it in a different respect. We have it because there are government incentives, right? We have it because we are tied to insurance and insurance is necessarily socialized. It is a socialized, it is a form of socialism on a private level, right? They're going to make decisions based off of care, based off of what? Actuary science, right? They're going to take a look and go, okay, this makes dollars and this makes sense. And this one doesn't. Uh, so we're going to turn this off with no regard and no care for the individual that's involved in this. And this is why I fight so hard against actual government medicine. This is the prime example of what happens with government medicine at the forefront. It has no regard for life. It has no regard for patients. It has no regard for medical care. It has only regard for stats, ones and zeros, dollars and cents, and that's it. It is cold. It is harsh. 
It is not reality. So yes, we on the left and the right in, in libertarian circles can all agree that we do not have health care. We have what? Health insurance in America. We can agree that that's the problem. But the solution is not worsening that. The solution is not taking it out of the private sector and pulling the same system into a public sector. The answer is getting rid of the bureaucracy that allows one patient and one doctor to focus on care. There are people who died needlessly, and that's the frustrating part. That's the outrageous part of all of this, right? But again, we've known this for three years. There are people who have died needlessly, like these individuals, because doctors and hospital administrators and the government cared less about the patient and more about dollars and cents. And until we flip the script and take government and the health insurance companies out of the equation. But what about surgeries costing thousands and thousands? Guess what? Your surgery cost for that ACL tear, let's say, or that knee surgery or that hip replacement, you know how much money you would save by getting the insurance company, by getting the government out of that? Literally thousands upon thousands of dollars. Because baked into that surgery cost is what, Pat? All of the money that it costs to deal with insurance companies, to have massive malpractice insurance, literally thousands of dollars per surgery. That's how you affect change. It, this is a prime example of exactly why government socialized medicine is terrible. I'm excited to read what comes next in this book. Um, I know that you've read it completely through. I haven't because I want to read and, and process. So your final thoughts here real quick, Pat, before we um, close out the show. I mean, I, I just want to reiterate this again. I mean, it, I was angry because, I mean, this is this was my first eye-opening experience. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. If you've dealt with this before, this is not a surprising thing, okay? Yeah. COVID or not, this is happening to lots of people all over the place for various different reasons. That being said, this isn't just about COVID anymore. This is about, um, at least with these two chapters, this is about health care versus health insurance. And if, if you want to impact change, you, you now have the knowledge that this is happening. You've had the eye-opening experience like I did. Now it's time, now that you know that this is happening, and these are just two stories of many, by the way. Now that you know that this is happening, you have the responsibility to do something about it. Don't wait for somebody else to do it for you. You have that responsibility now. And, and this is why we advocate for a Nuremberg-style tribunal for these people. So this never happens again. This is why you have to do something about it, to make sure that this doesn't happen to you and to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Because the, if this keeps happening, people are going to die. And it could could be you, could be me, could be any any of us next. 
unless you forget that uh, Bill Gates and his ilk are still attempting the gain of function, still attempting to decide to tell us, by the way, Pat, that they can prevent future pandemics with their research. And that's their goal. Their goal is to play God. Well, you mean a pandemic is part of... Yeah, unfortunately, that's the reality of, of life. We do not get to play God. That is that is not how this works. Yet Bill Gates and his ilk think that they can. To decide that they know the future. They know exactly how to prevent a pandemic. How? You have no idea the depths of God's creation on any level. Can we further understand things? Potentially. But the, to decide that there's going to be a pandemic-free future is insane. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And Nuremberg. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.